Jesus Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Well, thank you, Joe. We are so fortunate to have Joe here at Villa's Grace Church. My goodness, and we're also fortunate to have a water boy like David. So if anybody needs water during the service... I'm joking, David. I'm joking. We begin a new sermon series this Sunday, Predicting Jesus. We're going to spend the next five weeks looking over the predictions, the prophecies of Jesus and his first coming. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to be able to gather together this morning Lord, I pray as we continue our fellowship today, as it extends after service, that we can be encouraged in you, that we can encourage one another in you. After all, what this is all about is simply us reminding ourselves first and foremost, reminding each other of the good news of salvation through Jesus. And Lord, I pray you use us as a church to share that message so others can come to a saving faith through Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This man that you're looking at is Martin Luther. Some of us have heard of Martin Luther, but if you haven't, he was a German professor of theology. He actually has quite the resume. He was actually a priest. He was a composer, and he was also an Augustinian monk. Martin Luther quite honestly did it all, but however, he's actually not best known for any of those things. He's best known as being the seminal leader. He's being known or best known as the one who started or put the Protestant Reformation into action. And this all began when he nailed his 95 thesis to the castle church door. That's when it all began. Though the Lord did use Martin Luther in a very mighty way We still need to keep something in mind. And I think this is very important for us. See, Luther lived about as long before our time, because if you look at the dates right there, 1483 to 1546. So he, he actually lived about as long before our time as the prophet Malachi did Jesus. So for as gifted and as learned as Luther was, he could have never have predicted the rise of the Americas, because let's be honest, that hadn't quite happened yet, had it? In fact, there would have been no way for Luther to even predict the rise of the Americas, let alone that South America would be predominantly Catholic, Roman Catholic, that is, while Northern America would be predominantly Protestant church. Even the keenest of minds, just like Martin Luther, cannot predict future events. Things like, will banks fail? It doesn't matter how smart you are, you cannot predict whether or not the stock market is going to crash. In fact, the smartest of men or women can't even predict if they'll live to see tomorrow. In fact, I believe that the argument could be made that prophecy ceased after the early church 
leaders. However, prophecy was boldly proclaimed by such Old Testament prophets like Isaiah who accurately prophesied the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even specifically detailing his conception. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. That title is this, Born of a Virgin, Born of a Virgin. Today we're going to be in two different texts one of which is Isaiah, as mentioned. Also, we're going to be looking at Matthew. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, and then Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. And like I stated, for the next five weeks, we will observe five prophecies. We're going to look at five prophecies about the first coming of Jesus. These prophecies will include his virgin birth, his being heir to David's throne, that he would be crucified, that he would be forsaken, and ultimately that Jesus would be resurrected. So with all that being said, let's get into our text this morning. The verses will be on the screen for you, but if you brought your Bible, feel free to join along with us. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, and Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 20. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you were weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey. He knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you And upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. In Matthew chapter 1 verses 20 through 23, God's word states this. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. All four of these these verses in one sentence, which becomes our main idea, states this. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied by Isaiah and confirmed in the Gospels. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied by Isaiah and confirmed in the Gospels. Now, I want to show you this photo, this aerial 
photo. At one time, this was the largest living advertisement in the world. In fact, I'm not sure if it still is or not, but what I do want to share with you is this photo that you're looking at is near and dear to my heart and my family's heart. See, my grandfather and my great-grandfather both helped plant these evergreen trees that made up this large sign. In fact, you can only see this sign from the air. This photo that was taken recently, because this is planted back in the days, I think they planted this back in the late 40s, early 50s. But this photo in particular came from an article, and I want to just share with you the title of this article. And the, and the title was this, Dead Company, Living Advertisement. Dead Company, Living Advertisement. Why? Because it's true. Because Studebaker is a dead company, but the advertisement is living because physically it's made from trees that were planted in the ground that did not receive their water from David. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Gosh, I need to just leave David alone this morning. Poor guy's already sitting in front row to begin with. Dead company, living advertisement. See, Studebaker went out of business in 1963, but church, we can all relate to this, and especially we can relate to the title of the article that has to do with this sign. See, we were like a dead company, just like Studebaker, but God gave us a sign, and that sign was a living sign in the birth of Jesus. And we see precisely this in Isaiah when we begin where it says here in chapter 7, I said verse chapter 1 earlier, it says verse chapter or chapter 1 on your screen, but it is clearly chapter 7. So I apologize for that. But Isaiah 7 verses 13 through 17, it says here then, O house of David. See, the house of David, this is a reference to God's promise. See, this is actually dedicated to the king and who Isaiah is speaking to King Ahaz. He was the king of Judah at the time. And in the Bible, in fact, in the book of 2 Kings, King Ahaz is actually depicted as being an evil king. And we can't forget that. There was only three kings in the history of Israel that were actually considered to be good. Therefore, by Isaiah saying, Here then, O house of David, it's a reminder to King Ahaz as to who God will protect. And he's going to do this through the Davidic covenant. See, Ahaz was refusing to place his faith in God's promise. Which is why Isaiah says this. He says, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Now, the you in this statement is not limited to Ahaz alone. In fact, the you in the original Hebrew in which this was written actually is plural. So he's not just talking to King Ahaz, but he's actually talking to the entire Jewish nation. Specifically, Judah, where Ahaz was king. Church, do, do, you, do you hear that? Does, does that register? 
an entire nation was refusing to put their trust in the Lord? Did, did you not hear Isaiah just call out the king for that? Does that not remind you of another nation we may or may not know? Just remember, none of this is new stuff. Nothing of, of, of any of this is new. So, so what does Isaiah prophesy to Ahaz? He says it right here, that the Lord himself will give you a sign. And that sign is the virgin who will conceive, and as it says, bear a son, a living, breathing son, a sign for those who are dead and their trespasses. This reminds me of that dead company with a living advertisement. Brothers and sisters, as we were dead, God gave us a sign of new life through the virgin birth of Jesus. And if we place our faith in that promise, then we become the living advertisement to other dead company that we may be keeping. We should all know believers and non-believers alike. We shouldn't just be associating with non-believers only. We shouldn't just be associating with believers only. We should see a blend of the two. Now, Jesus was to be called Emmanuel, and we're going to get to that, and we're going to touch on that in a moment. But first, let's move on to verse 16. See, this prophecy is actually a prophecy within a prophecy. First, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus in his virgin birth. Secondly, God authenticates this prophecy after he actually makes the prophecy to Ahaz. And we see this when Isaiah says, For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. See, these two kings in reference are Aram and Ephraim. Aram was the king of Syria, and Ephraim was the king of Israel. See, King Ahaz feared both Aram and Ephraim. They were his arch enemies. Therefore, he had to create an alliance with another kingdom in order to make sure he was protected from these two. So he went to none other than Tilgoth Pilsner of Assyria, Assyria. And basically, Ahaz did not put his faith in God. Rather, he put his faith in King Tilgath. He put his faith in another nation other than his own. He put faith in Assyria. And Assyria came to King Ahaz's rescue and defeated both Aram and Ephraim for Ahaz. Now, King Tilgath-Pilzer did not work for free. He didn't work for free. He didn't just do this out of the kindness of his heart. See, Ahaz had to pay him with silver and gold. Unfortunately, the silver and gold came from the Lord's temple. Ahaz stole tangible goods from the Lord and gave them to another evil king, all because Ahaz didn't trust God's promise. Therefore, we see this great quote by Oswald that defines what we actually see Ahaz do. And I just want to read this quote. 
as it pertains to Ahaz not trusting the Lord and his promises and going to another king to take care of his enemies, I think this quote defines what happens best. It says, whatever a man trusts in place of God will one day turn to devour him. Brothers and sisters, we too should heed this advice. We need to ask ourselves this question, what is it that I'm truly trusting? In all seriousness, what is it that you are truly trusting? After all, we do not want to end up like King Ahaz. In verse 17, Isaiah prophesies his fate. His fate is right there. It says, the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house. See, that's the you plural. That's the entire nation. The same destruction brought upon Ephraim. The same destruction brought upon Abraham. Again, we should remind ourselves, whatever a man trusts other than God will one day turn to devour him. Church, let's keep this in mind. God has a history of using kingdoms to judge other kingdoms. Brothers and sisters, rest assured, this will continue to happen until Jesus returns. This isn't going to stop happening. So just when we get too caught up in the politics of the day, we need to remember none of this is new. And last time I checked, it's really easy for us to talk about current politics, but we forget about the politics back in Aram's day, and Ahaz's day, and Ephraim's day, and Tilgath-Pilzer's day. Why? Because we're too far removed. But don't think that there weren't people getting wrapped up in those politics back then, too. Do you think those in Syria like being defeated by those in Assyria? We just need to continue to turn to the Lord in faith. Him who was born of a virgin, the one who was crucified, buried, and resurrected to one day return again and deliver Israel finally and establish his kingdom here on earth. And this brings us to our first point this morning. And that point states this. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied and authenticated prior to his being conceived. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied and authenticated prior to his being conceived. See, Isaiah made the prophecy of Jesus being born of a virgin, and he also told Ahaz what was going to happen to him after he made that prophecy, therefore authenticating the first prophecy because everything he said that was going to happen to Ahaz's kingdom happened because Ahaz never put his faith and his trust in the Lord's promise. For those of us who have a saving faith in Jesus, we've done quite the opposite. Our faith and our trust is in the promise of Jesus in his first coming. Our faith and our trust is in the promise of Jesus in his second coming as well. And let's not forget our main idea this morning, which stated the virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied by Isaiah and confirmed 
in the Gospels. There are many old-fashioned ways to say a woman is pregnant. A few of these I've heard of before. I'm going to share with you about ten. Some of these kind of caught me off guard. But we've all heard that if somebody's pregnant, you would say that she has a bun in the oven. We've, I think we've all heard that one. This is a new one for me. I've never heard of this one, but I guess you can say that the rabbit died if a woman's pregnant. I, I think I get that one. This one doesn't really make too much sense to me, but you can say that um, the woman is up the duff. That's a new one for me. In the pudding, I, I, I guess that's one. Uh, this one doesn't really make any sense at all, but it says the tin ro roof rusted. I don't know what that has to do with pregnancy. Up the pole, uh, bacon in the drawer. Okay, all right. Now this one, I would say, but never associate it with pregnancy. Usually Hope is the one telling me this. She usually says, hey, you got a bat in the cave? I always thought that I needed a Kleenex, but apparently if you say somebody has a bat in the cave, they could be pregnant. Uh, the final one is up the spout, or up the sprout, shall I say. I guess you could say up the spout with, with some of these. At one point in time, these expressions made sense. However, there is, there is one we still use today, though, that's, that definitely makes sense. I mean, we, we can say somebody's pregnant any way we want and, and have it mean whatever we want, but there's actually one that's universal that we still use to this day that's actually historically been used as well because we find it biblically, but we say that she is with child. She is with child. For believers, this is probably the most fitting way to say that somebody else is pregnant because after all, Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we're reminded of this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. But first, we must think of this sermon's title. Because after all, we've titled this sermon this morning, Born of a Virgin. Mary was a virgin when she conceived Jesus. And she remained a virgin till she bore Jesus. It was an angel of the Lord that appeared to Joseph. What's interesting is that the angel called Joseph, son of David. Remember Isaiah? He started off his prophecy to King Ahaz by saying, house of David. See, Joseph, son of David, is the son of David. Because Joseph is of the same lineage of the Messiah. Though Joseph is not Jesus' biological father, they're both related to the lineage of Jesus, or to David, and so therefore they are both descendants. Now the angel goes on to say, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Basically it's like saying, don't worry about what people say, don't worry about what people think, it's the Lord's will for you to wed Mary. This reminds me of one of Pastor Steve's famous favorite lines. And this can be an encouragement to all of us. He always says, I don't care what anybody says about me as long as it's not true. And I think that's good advice. Basically, the angel of the Lord was saying the same thing. However, could you imagine being in Joseph's position at that time? After all, the text does say, for that which is conceived 
in her. I mean, therefore, Mary's already pregnant at this point. Joseph knew that he had been a good little Hebrew boy. He thought that Mary had been a good little Hebrew girl, but now all of a sudden, an angel is saying, you need to marry this woman and she's already pregnant. He knows it wasn't from him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I don't think any of us here have ever been asked to trust the Lord on that level. The shame and the ridicule that he went through just to follow the Lord's will. So therefore, if I ever have to experience anything knowing that I'm truly following the Lord's will, then I will say what Pastor Steve says. I don't care what they say about me as long as it's not true. Now in verse 21, we know that Joseph and Mary are to call their baby Jesus for the exact reason as to how verse 21 ends. See, it says, for he will save his people from their sins. Now let's take a moment and look at who he's going to save. Because I think that's the most telling thing in this text. Who is it that Jesus is actually going to save? As it says here, it says, his people from their sins. His people are those who know their own sinfulness. His people are those who know that they need a Savior. Church, the question then becomes for us, are you His people? And we can't just assume because we're all here in church this morning that we're all saved. Are you His people? After all, Ahaz didn't believe in God's promise. So are you cool like King Ahaz was cool? Because King Ahaz was cool to not trust in God's promise. King Ahaz was pretty cool to go ahead and do things on his own. He was a-okay with recruiting the biggest, baddest empire on the block back in his day to help him defeat his enemies rather than trust in the Lord and his promise. But yet the Lord authenticated his prophecy of Jesus being born of a virgin by predicting to Ahaz his destruction. And that destruction did come true. Just like Jesus and his virgin birth came true too. So as Joe, Joe comes up and, and joins me here, I'd like to read verses 22 through 23 as we close out. In verse 22, it goes to say, and it begins by saying, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall bear and conceive a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Remember, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus wasn't a bun in the oven, wasn't a dead rabbit, wasn't bacon in the drawer. Wasn't that the tin roof rusted over Mary and Joseph's little place of residence. Was no bat in the cave, not going up the duff or up the sprout or whatever. No, Mary was with child. 
Mary was with child, which is far more fitting expression because Emmanuel means God with us. Church, do you understand the implications of what that means? Jesus left heaven. He took on human form in order to be with us so he could save us. It wasn't that Jesus came into existence when he was born. No, he existed prior to his virgin birth. He gave up heaven to be with us. Jesus, the name means save. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is God and man alike. So, is he with you? Is Jesus with you? Is your eternal security based upon his work? Or are you relying on yourself? Are you looking for a kingdom to defend you? Before we close, I would just like to invite every one of us here to think about that. Is Jesus with me? Do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with me? If somebody asks me, how does one receive eternal life? Can I answer that question? Do I know the answer to that question? Church, if you are unsure, do not hesitate to grab either myself, Pastor Jared, or Pastor Steve when he's here to make sure that you truly know that God is with you, that you know what it truly means to have faith in the promise of the virgin birth, that you know that this was fulfilled, that you can trust God's word in past prophecies, that you can trust his word in future prophecies that you can only find here. No prophecy from a man today speaking outside of the Bible but prophecies that we can only find within the 66 books comprising the Bible. Also, church, if you felt like you've been unsure and you want to rededicate your faith, again, you have pastors who are elders on staff here that you can come to to ask that question to make sure that you can answer the question. How do I know I can receive eternal salvation? Are you able to articulate the work of Jesus that has been laid out for us in God's word? Because after all, we are not capable of doing this on our own. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Even our faith that we have in Christ was a gift given to us by God himself. The same God who was called Jesus, Savior. The same God when he came to earth was called Emmanuel, God with us. 
And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. True to his name, our Lord and Savior came to be with us. True to his name, our Lord and Savior came to be with us. Again, our first point this morning stated this. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied and authenticated prior to his being conceived. And again, finally, our, our main idea this morning stated this. The virgin birth of Jesus was prophesied by Isaiah and confirmed in the Gospels. Again, everyone here is welcome to join us for our fried chicken fellowship that is going on immediately following service. So please stick around and enjoy some fried chicken. At this time, I will pray for the food and our dismissal. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in fellowship, to be encouraged by your word, Lord, I pray that you continue to use Villa's Grace Church. I pray that we continue to share your good news with those who do not know you. Lord, also I want to pray for this food and give you thanks for what you have given us. We are so thankful for the hands that prepared this meal, the hard work that went into planning. Thank you for these individuals, Lord. Thank you for your work upon the cross, because if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be here together today. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.